Deceleration, deceleration.news. His name is Albert. This month we're exploring the intersection of climate, housing, displacement, and the promise of mutual aid. A one-year intervention. Thanks for folks for coming in um, and joining in this this live stream deceleration live stream uh, built kind of on the back of this this series. Uh, his name is Albert. Um, it's a three part series about an unhoused man, a neighbor of ours, someone who caught our attention, uh, who a year ago uh, lost both of his feet, part of one leg, and I think both feet, um, and what it took then in to to get him into uh, into housing. It's still not a permanent situation. Uh, I understand we're going to have a, a dialogue here with my partner here, Marisol Cortez, uh, co-editor at Deceleration, uh, Rachel Tucker, who's one of the directors of Constituent Services uh, on the on the and D five on the west side with the Office of Councilmember Terry Castillo. Uh, and our friend Maria Turvin of Yanawana Herbolarios. She is the operations director and founder. And all of these tremendous advocates, tremendous, uh, uh, a lot of heart. And I'm looking forward to, to this, for this dialogue. I learned a lot. Uh, my partner, Marisol, took this on. Um, and uh, originally not for deceleration. This wasn't a project, a media project, uh, but this was an intervention. This is just, you know, a neighbor seeing a neighbor in distress. And, and trying to find help. Uh, and in the, some of those who came to uh, her aid and the aid of, of Albert um, are here with us tonight. Um, again, Rachel Tucker from D5 Constituent Services. We, Mari and I have talked about this and, and everything that, that happened. Cannot imagine, um, it's, it's easy to imagine that Albert would not be alive were it not for the election that brought in our council member and people like yourself to engage with us. Uh, it's easy to imagine that as well uh, without people like uh, Maria and Yanawana Arbelarios and all the work that they're doing here. Um, so I'm gonna open up this part. This is why we're here to have this dialogue and have a conversation and really talk about uh, what lessons were learned in this process, um, how Albert is right now, but also what structurally, what gaps were discovered that had to be navigated and um, how we can learn from this to encourage movement going forward. Um, and so let me uh, turn on some mics. This is like too much tech tech for me. Welcome everybody, thank you for being here. Um, uh, I just wanna maybe just real quickly, I did introductions, I hopefully you caught some of that, some of the broadcast already. So folks kind of know who you are. I wonder if we could start uh, to my left. Maria, if you would just introduce yourself a little bit, uh, maybe one or two minutes, and we'll just pass it around, and we'll just pass the, pass the mic a little bit. Thank you. Okay. So um, I'm Maria, uh, Maria Cristina Turvin with Yanawana Herbolarios. I'm the um, founder and the operations director, and uh, we pretty much focus on um, creating sovereign, sovereignty for our communities. So we do that through um, ancestral education, uh, which includes all kinds of things from um, botanical medicine and uh, skills like fire building and uh, emergency structure building and um, food foraging, that kind of thing. Um, we have a lot of different um, 
programming. We have, you know, Medicare program, the People's Clinic, and, you know, our Feria de Resistencia. But uh, in regards to this particular story, um, we have something that's just simply called the Street Clinic. Um, and the Street Clinic came uh, about um, during um, during the protests and um, and during the pandemic when uh, um, when our, our regular clinic, the People's Clinic, um, had been uh, temporarily shut down because we were, you know, operating that time out of um, out of uh, partners. You know, we didn't have headquarters at the time, and uh, so during that time, we used to see the houseless community, um, you know, at our partner locations. And uh, so, when the pandemic happened, we were able to um, continue serving our, our our housed community, you know, via teleclinic. But we realized, you know, we were leaving um, our houseless community out, so we just, you know, went directly. To the to the street, you know, and um, absolutely fell in love with it. Actually, I mean, it was it was completely um, transformative and 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 eye opening and and really a lot of things that like I didn't realize that I still had, you know, um, you know, unconscious biases towards or that kind of thing. I was like, whoa, you know, like let's let's address and do some woodshedding of, you know, give of, give take care of some of these things, like you know that um. That apparently I didn't realize that um, I still needed to to uh, address. So it's it's um, my favorite program, honestly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. well, you're so suited to it, and just having you seen you out there a little bit, not as much as Mari Marisol, but um, just reading along uh, with this process, I'm really really impressed by yourself, by your work, and really grateful for it. Um, uh, Rachel, do you want to kind of step in and kind of introduce yourself to folks who may not know you and uh, how you got engaged in, in this particular uh, intervention? Sure. Um, so yeah, my name is Rachel Tucker, and I'm one of the uh, one of the directors of constituent services under um, Councilwoman Terry Castillo's office. Um, I mean, I, I basically have been um in the community like struggling alongside the community for um about a decade now and i'm really privileged to be in the position that i am in today um basically with the work that we that i do in the office is is being in contact with constituents in our district and linking them with resources um whatever that may be it spans um with all the different needs that people have, right? And questions. Um, really, our office is really trying to um, bring in people into the political process, to the democratic process, because it's very important, right? And so we're constantly telling folks to go and and, and call us, get involved, with a comment, right? Um, it's very important. Um, and that is how uh, we got involved, because there is a strong community um, with Marisol, with um, outreach worker Dan Groven, um, Nikita, our outreach worker with DHS as well, um, and honestly, and Maria Turbin, right? Um, we they they called and said like there is a big need, there is a big help, uh, somebody needs a lot of help here, and that's when we started to get involved in the process because there was a lot of roadblocks, right? And um, being new to to this world, right, um, it was a big learning curve for us as well. Um, my coworker Taylor and our whole office has has had a hand in in helping um, Albert um, 
get get what he needs. Um, but definitely it, it wouldn't have happened without community reaching out and, and us struggling together. Excellent. Thank, Thank you very much. I will say there's a comment uh, that, that you can't see, uh, I think, but it says Rachel Tucker runs, true or false, run city council <laughs> in charge of the mayor and city manager. If that's Molly, no, no. <laughs> absolutely false all right we're working on it (laughs) um hey body once you once you step in uh well i'm marisol um for those who don't know me i'm marisol cortez and i'm i primarily understand myself now as a writer um but uh have done a lot of other stuff um I've worked a long time in the community uh, as an organizer, as an activist around um, uh, most more recently, like in the last 10 years, a lot around like displacement. Um, and so, you know, by virtue of displacement around um, housing justice, but also, but I think of it, but my longer history is around environmental justice. And so even the housing work and the like displacement work I thought of in terms of like land struggles, the struggle, the, the uh, struggles, people's right to remain, uh, people's right to have relationship to land. Um, um, and, but yeah, but you know, more recently I kind of have come to feel like that my unique contribution to make to that work and, um, and, and just to being on the planet is, is, to, is to write. Um, I didn't, like you were saying, Greg, like I didn't um, get involved in the situation as a writer at first. It was just, it was a situation in our neighborhood, right? So I got involved as a neighbor. Um, I would see Albert. Um, Well, I saw, you know, before Albert became disabled by the storm, I would see Albert. We saw Albert. Um, He reminded me recently, like, that he used to hang out, like, on Laredo Street before he came a little south like to our block so i would see him there and um for for years a couple years at least two three years and then um after he after the storm a few months after the storm i saw him again in the neighborhood and i didn't recognize him um, because of how much how how badly the storm and the and the amputations had affected his health and um and it was just, it was shocking to me. And I mean, we live in a, you know, we live in a neighborhood where there's, you know, there's a lot of houselessness. Um, and, but it was, so it's not like, you know, we're not seeing folks on the streets every day, but it was shocking to me, like the, the health, you know, the situation of his health, um, um, that a man, um, I just, I just couldn't believe that somebody was on the streets, like had been released from the hospital just to the streets in his condition, you know? And, um, and that was a few months after the storm. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I knew somebody at Yanawana, Herbolarios, um, and I had worked with them a little bit before, like during the storm to try to locate resources um, for our friend, Ralph. Um, who, yeah, I forgot um, about that already. 
Yeah, yeah. So I had worked, I had worked with them, and so I reached out and um, reached out to them again. And I knew Monica, one of their medics. Um, and so you know, it's like in that kind of situation, like if there wasn't an organization like Yanawana Ervolarios, like who would I call? You know, there's like EMS. You could call EMS, but he didn't. When I talked to him that day, he didn't want you yeah. to call EMS, right? Uh, there, there's the cops, right? There's the ambulance, or there's the cops, and there's nobody else, right? But I knew that Yanawana Herbolarios would, like, I knew that they wouldn't, uh, like, they would step in and they would keep, they would be persistent, like, they would keep coming back until he got the help that he needed. And so that's kind of the origin of um, how yeah. I got involved. You know, we worked together, for, and then from there, you know, they recommended um, somebody within DHS that they thought was really, really helpful, and he was. He was a tremendous help. Mm -hmm. um, you know, primarily because he wasn't afraid to work with us. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't afraid to collaborate with folks that were working on the outside of the system as activists. Mm -hmm. um, Let me step so, in for like, just a minute, just to to move sure. to move to keep to keep to keep this moving. I want to want to support that you like your observation of this as 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 a climate story, right? It's not written in a way. It's like all the the data parts per million in the atmosphere and all this uh, and other stuff. But but by tracking this, I, I think two things. One is like, yeah, we watched this man unravel on the street in front of everybody. It's like he was melting on the sidewalk through the freeze that took his feet and his legs through the heat strokes. He's falling on the, the cement, you know, from into a wheelchair and then into the mud. I mean, just like constant, like, and it just never seemed to go anywhere. And so when I really appreciate the comment about where would you go? There's the cops or the med or the, or the ambulance, right? And then there's the undertaker. Um, but there's also these other, other things happening, right? There's Yanawana, right? And then there's our, our council office engaging and, and new and new blood and in, in, was in the city city programs. Um, but it, yeah, it is, I, 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 I totally agree with that. It is kind of like watching this, you understand it as a climate story. You understand that we can't allow if, you know, a, a, an office of sustainability to talk about, you know, um, you know, tightening up, tightening up our buildings for, uh, for climate reasons. But, but not be addressing this, not be addressing like the people who are out there today um, on the street already and, and what, what it means with accelerating climate shocks. This is all premeditated, right? Like what, what we're putting our families through and our, our relatives, not to, to Maria for, if you check our interview, um, you know, uh, a good lesson for all of us to think about when we're on the street, who we're meeting on the street, you know, they're not strangers. Our relatives so um but thank you thank you for that i'm sorry to, to step in because i just want to get it move, move move the conversation around a little bit where you know like how uh, maybe we should get into a little bit of narrative i know we want to go to lessons learned and like what you know what what you know how d5 and the office staff there have kind of come to understand what were the these gaps that need to be addressed moving forward but i uh, but i wonder maria you're also talking about coming in some ways as fresh eyes into a lot of this through your work um and how that this experience with with albert kind of was part of that education oh yeah what what with <laughs> with what's um, available and not available resources, you know, wise uh, for for our most vulnerable um, houseless uh, community, you know, members. Um, I think that there's probably the assumption, you know, that um, 
you know, that, that, that surely for the most vulnerable that, that these resources uh, exist, but, um, you know, truthfully, they, they don't, you know, to have those resources um, exist takes a, a lot more, um, a lot more resources, a lot more, a lot more planning, um, a lot more everything, you know, it's not, it's not impossible. It's, you know, quite possible um, happening in, you know, other, other places. Uh, but it was just the, the mountains that had to be, you know, moved to help um, one individual and, you uh, you know, Al Albert was my, um, was our, was Yanawana Herbalario's second client that um, we had, uh, you know, to, to move, you know, metaphorical mountains um, for to, to help, so to speak, um, which was, was useful. That, that particular, you know, case was um, useful in, a, a, you know, trying to, to help Albert um, with this, but um, the injuries, you know, weren't, weren't same, the disabilities weren't same. Um, the uh, drug, you know, mis misuse that was going on um, wasn't the same. So it was, there were differences that um, presented different, you know, challenges um, for, for sure, but with the end result still being that all of these challenges were happening because the um, resources, you know, that we, that we need to help the most vulnerable houseless population, which is the, you know, elderly disabled that happens to be, you know, misusing um, drugs that they just, they just simply uh, don't, don't exist. Well, okay. So it's not that they, they don't exist. It's just that you have to go through a lot of red tape and um, you have to go through, through a lot, a lot of red tape, a lot of, a lot of meetings, a lot of, of emails, a lot of, um, work to to make that happen and meanwhile you're you still have a, a person that is either on the street or or that you're kind of you know um trying to to convince the hospital to hold for you so yeah it's 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 challenging you know I will, I will say I thought it was, it was interesting, and I know, Marisol, so you caught this in your story, but it was interesting that when the city convened uh, their committee to look at the winter storm and to look at, you know, like what, you know, kind of like what we're doing here, kind of unpack it a little bit. What did we learn? You know, what went wrong? What went better than it could have otherwise? And one of the things that I saw was a recognition of community organizations and neighborhood groups stepping into this gap where the need was. Um, because the institutional partners and governmental partners weren't there. Um, that sounds familiar? Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah, the city, <laughs> even the city knows that, yeah, it was the community that I saw it most uh, um, uh, visibly on display in the situation around the Fair Avenue apartments, you know, the situation that happened there. Uh, which is a Saha housing, public housing unit on the southeast side, and um, and so these were senior, you know, elder, elder residents, um, tenants, and people with disabilities, uh, renters who, basically, you know, it wasn't Saha stepping in. It wasn't to check on people, to give them food, to give them water, to give them heat, to take them uh, to safety. It was, it was people on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and what about, let me bring, let me bring Rachel in on that, 
on that point because I know you you probably saw things from a, from a vantage point that that uh, whoops wrong clip um, that not all not not many people could right and so when we talk about institutional failures kind of did you see, what were your observations well we were uh, Councilman Terry wasn't in in office yet. That oh, true, true. Okay, we're previous, going back here. The previous yeah. D five. I mean, mm -hmm. but I echo, you know, mm -hmm. like personally echo, um, the the amount of need that 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 you know was around. I mean, even in our own neighborhood, like it was neighbors that that gave each other water, um, mm -hmm. because in our neighborhood we didn't have water, right? Mm -hmm. but, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just anybody invite anybody to kind of step in and. And, and lead us around at this point, Mari? Well, I'd like to um, just think, since we're on the topic of climate, kind of like, um, you know, one of the things that I really saw or took away from the situation that we went through with Albert was the lack of data. Um, the problem, like even trying to figure out like, how is climate change like you can put it in your plan, like we want to center the needs of the most vulnerable or we want to center the needs of the houseless, like in addressing climate change in San Antonio. But like there's not uh, like there's not a baseline level of data collection or a consistent, it seems to me, like data collection on how increasing like in general. So that then to try to figure out the impact of like increasing extreme weather, increasing cold, increasing heat, how that is affecting people's, how it's affecting mortality, but even beyond mortality, like how is it affecting people, right? Like that data collection isn't happening. And I, and my understanding, I could be wrong, but my understanding from like doing the research for the story is that it's that it's hard to even collect like like, I don't know that when houseless folks die, that, that the cause of death is even is recorded, right? So yeah. unless you have that, how are you even going to understand, begin to understand the impacts of climate change? Like, Maria and I were just talking the other day when we went to go see Albert, like, or we didn't realize until we met with Albert yesterday or so yesterday. Yeah, it was uh, yesterday. Where, where is he now? Um, yeah. Yeah. He's he's in an, uh, a small assisted living um, apartment. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's real nice. But he, and we had heard the I had heard the story from him already. But the but when we heard it yesterday, when he told it again, he added a detail that hadn't been there last time, which was during the storm. A friend of his also had le limbs amputated and died. Yeah. Um, so we had heard the story that his friend had limbs amputated and died. And so then when he went through that, he was frightened, mm -hmm. but we hadn't heard the detail that it was in the same storm. Mm -hmm. And so like officially, no, nobody houseless died in San Antonio mm -hmm. during winter right. storm weary, unlike Dallas or unlike Houston, right? San Antonio didn't, but we don't even know. <laughs> yeah because nobody's looking, nobody's looking for that data. Mm -hmm. I, I'll make a note that, so Molly has put in a comment here about kind of like that, how 
maybe unremarkable Albert story is when when you when you get down to the street and you start looking and experiencing you know houselessness uh, and displacement in a in a deep way. Um, and and I'm wondering um, for for anyone really kind of what what made it remarkable and what made it very familiar i know we we, we interviewed as part of your story uh, i i did a little backup for you with some video interviews and i interviewed someone with the city's outreach program uh and you know he talked about you know the the resistance to wanting to come in f for help right to go anywhere and and that comes from somewhere too so there's like these the, some of these hardships are, are they're not they're not shocking they're not new um, but we just haven't learned how to respond to them, it seems like. Um, what are your th thoughts on that, anyone? Yeah, I mean, I, I can take a stab. Um, I mean, like one of the big things that, that came to light to us is the, is the lack of low barrier um, uh, shelters, yeah. right? Especially for somebody with such need like Albert, which I know he's not the only one out there, right? And so... Um, it, it, as far as I understood, um, like the outreach program is, is new, um, like 11 months old or something like that, which is a big improvement, I think, in it, um, because we didn't, as far as I know, we didn't have a, in, that before, um, but in the, in the tracking, right, in the future, in the tracking of, of our, of our houseless, um, constituents and relatives um but yes i mean that that was one of the biggest things that 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 was that that we saw was was that lack of low barrier housing and 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 lack of um having like hubs of those low barrier housings uh with detox centers as as well and you know the having the medical need and and need of assistance uh for the for 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 people like this such such as bathing eating clothing themselves and everything like that um that was one of one of the reasons you know um as y'all wrote in in your article um why um sam ministries unfortunately wasn't able to help um albert right and so i i think like looking at looking at shifting the narrative right like as like anybody really could could be houseless and giving the social circumstances um bringing humanity into 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 it and then also like as 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 a city also like look taking into account um these gaps that have been um identified right and and working with working to fix them and so go ahead maria yeah no because that that right there right the the uh, identifying the gaps and and here's here's the thing that i'm like about is that um you know multiple organizations of course you know have have worked uh, with albert and, and these gaps were seen you know by by multiple organizations whether um it was the hospital or you know or uh or us or you know aps or you know sam's or whatever like that um and it just it just seems to me that you know like there's a certain type of client that is very easy to to get sheltered um and very easy to get in into to housing um and and 
like you know like molly said you know on on the street it's like well, albert's a common thing well and quite frankly you know with within those of us that are all doing this work like we understand like yes this is a common thing that's not being um you know served so what does it take for for everybody to just say you know uh whether it's at the hospital say hey we uh have this this you know this this houseless guy here that's you know has a double amputee uh, let me establish a relationship with um you know dhs or or you know uh, reach out to sarah alliance and and find out like who do i who do i reach out to or you know um if it's if it's one of the the organizations that's like hey you know we we turns out we can't help this person and um they'll die on the street possibly so what can we do real fast to create a support system for them so that doesn't happen it's there 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 has to be there has to start being a, a community village type of mentality even within um you know organizations there there has to be that willing to like to not wait for an invitation to to you know work cooperatively um with with people we all see what what the cracks are and what the issues are and and i i really feel like at, at this point especially if our jobs are supposed to be helping the houses that that we're we're being negligent if we're not like hey say you know um we know this is a regular issue that we're we're seeing like let's let's try and help be be part of 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 this this solution you know i mean it's it's when when you you keep the this the the way the system is generally set up it's 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 the the same things being being done and it and it doesn't work you know it doesn't work so um that i i really i you know i think that's that's a, a big problem a, a big cap gap there there needs to be that cooperative you know um efforts whether it's like with case managers in hospitals of like you know um they know they know who's houseless when they get it in then they have they have a client who dies like hey report it to dhs you know if you have a client after re release out in the street hey you know reach out to to myself or reach out to dr hans's team you know or reach out to to you know like there's you reach out and, and you know if you're if you're if you're an organization that is a shelter and you get somebody you cannot um accept don't just release them out to the street reach out you know and say okay guys we we have one we have to um figure out collectively how we're gonna help you know mm -hmm. and and that we do that enough, it's like, well, you know, maybe we should just go ahead and create the solution to this so that we have to stop, you know, um, finagling and bandaging, you know, um, each little individual case, because that's also just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I, I have a, I have a question kind of following up from that, like, for all of us. Um, maybe it's a two part question. One, like, what was your biggest takeaway from everything that we all went through? Um, and then to like, coming out of that biggest takeaway, what is needed that the community can then organize to, to fight for? Like the, you know, the, the, you know, there's the direct services work that we all did. And then there was the writing and the documentation and the media work that happened with the story. And then now it's the organizing work. Now it's the community, you know, now it's the 
it's in the community's hands to take the information and to take the knowledge that was gained from the situation and to say this and this and this are what we need and strategically we're going to call for this and that and this uh yeah. you know what i mean and so yeah. yeah i'm curious to know from both of you like what what you see as the big takeaways and then what are the the needs the most urgent needs that community can can push for now let me let me if i can interject on that I, both of those things but also i wonder because dan is not here and he was the one when i was interviewing him that was saying oh yeah all these things we weren't really prepared for but we've been talking with all these agencies are now talking to each other about cases like alberts and here's what you know what we're doing are there things that are actually different now and maybe like and start there and then maybe we can look at the the question of takeaways or is that do you feel like it's maybe very yeah. similar yeah please take it uh, yeah was i don't know if there's things that are different like maybe they're I, it felt different and then maybe now there's been a retrenchment but what felt different to me and like because and it, i think it answers both questions because this is my big takeaway was mm. how effective it was to have people working together sure. um, across institutional locations, like people within the city willing to work with activists, <coughs> activists working with, um, you know, city council office, with people, you know, the hot, the folks at the hospital, different social service agencies. Like there was, I, you know, the the last time I was really deeply involved in sort of like um, an immediate sort of human rights like crisis in San Antonio was Mission Trails. And, and there was an incredible failure um, where like there was, you just like, there was like, it would have been to assist the people at Mission Trails, the city could have partnered with the folks that were on the ground trying to support the residents that were organizing, right? But there wasn't, there was this complete um, refusal to work with the folks that were most intimate and most, like it could have been very effective and very powerful and it, and it wasn't at that moment. And then in this case, like, yeah, like it was just, it was incredible um, to me to see what happened when the city was willing to like partner with, with activists and when activists, you know, folks with histories of activism and histories of organizing, like were in public office and, um, and when the right folks were in, you know, public agencies as outreach workers, right. It, it just, it made an incredible difference. And I, that's the takeaway for me, like, please let's keep doing that. Yeah, if I can jump in, um, I I com completely agree. Um, it's well to answer the first question, right? Are things different now? And I I honestly think, um, like that Albert was a case study, right? With what Marisol was saying, with with the city working with with community with activists that have done this for for many many years, um, and you know, both pushing at the same time, like it is, it is um, basically a case study 
of how how to help one person, right? And like like y'all wrote in the Marisol wrote an article, like twenty eight people. Uh, it took twenty eight people to help out one person, and that's completely inefficient, right? Um, and so, one of the big other changes um, that that we have seen is that DHS is working on doing an assessment to find a skilled facility to partner with that can provide this level of care for those unhoused individuals who need it, right? And so that doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? Because um, it, it comes through the through, through pressure, through struggle, right? And then like Marisol was saying, like um, having receptive um, people that, that understand um, the work that, that activists do and, and, and why, they, why it's done. Right, because we we want our communities to be to to be better, and we want at this to work for people, right, for regular people, for working class folk. And so, um, one of my biggest takeaways is the need for harm reduction. And I know that Yana um, Wana has has had a lot of of experience with this. Um, you know, we, we need to be able to expand um, needle exchange um, locations. We need to be able to, because Yanawana has, has had a lot. Oh, um, and uh, we, we had a conversation with um, Lisa Cleveland from the UT Health um, Science Center, which basically said, and I, I believe Maria says this as well, um, that harm reduction is public health, right? And so the more um, yes. that we we're able to um, mitigate, uh, uh, prevent instead of mitigate, right? So prevent the spread of diseases such as HIV, um, hepatitis C, and MRSA, MRSA or MRSA, um, yeah. like the the better, right? And then have it have it accessible to to folks and additionally one of the other biggest takeaways is you know how important it is to have outreach workers like daniel groven and nikita um people that demonstrated great empathy and expertise um in their in with with our most vulnerable and they were able to build that relationship and and trust um, to follow through with that care and compassion, you know, they they did what's not the they they didn't do what was easy and say that's just the way things are, right? Like they they exactly. made sure to pressure and pressure and find avenues and um, call us and and you know we we definitely struggled together in finding out yet that the city, the county, and 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 DHS have to all work together and in the future, hopefully have a more holistic way, you know, of, of handling um, cases like Albert's. Mm -hmm. yes. yes. Maria, what about you? So, well, and in the regards to like, you know, relationships, you know, are they better, that kind of thing. Um, uh, I know that, you know, from, from a citizen perspective that, you know, it, it would be easy to say like, no, you know, um, but as somebody who is, is there like working, you have to remember that like, you know, um, that, that some changes take, you know, longer to be, you know, publicly, uh, apparent and, um, like the, my experience in working with, uh, um, you know, 
district one when Trevino was there and and um, district five and with DHS and and all of that is that you know while there has been um, times where it was like harm reduction what is that you know don't understand it that there's been that willingness to to learn and there's always been that willingness so like in all of my conversations with any of them I'm, I've always been like hey I'm going to say what I'm going to say to you and understand that I'm saying it because, you know, we're all trying to, you know, make the lives um, better, you know, uh, of the people that, that we, that we serve. And so this is just, you know, an honest, constructive criticism, you know, um, uh, which is, I mean, it's like, this just a super indigenous thing, right? Like, you know, we, we have our, um, our community circles and, and, and we have accountability processes. And so, you know, uh, but it's been my experience that like, you know, coming to, um, and I'm not talking about like, you know, at the, the level of, of, of the city of the people making, you know, the laws or that kind of thing, or, you know, making deciding to make the sweeps because you have to remember that dhs doesn't doesn't make that decision but you know they are listening and and advocating um for for these for these changes and you can you can see it you know through um caseworkers like you know nikita and and daniel because you know they they don't um they you know they're very open you know about about their um opinions you know they're they're willing to to say what they need to say to their their supervisors to for for their people and um you know and and their supervisors are 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 willing to listen and so that that will eventually you know um have have effect especially if you know um organizations and community come in a good way, you know, in a good relative way and say, hey, you know, this is a process of, of accountability. This is this is a process of, of how we care for our community and the ways that we're, we're, you know, using aren't working. And so, you know, you all anybody who knows me knows that, like, you know, my big takeaway is going to be what what I keep preaching harm reduction, that we have to have a harm reduction you know, um, no barrier, uh, full employment of, of harm reduction techniques, you know, medical shelter unit, because things, things like, you know, honestly, things like ant bites on, on the street when you don't have access to proper hygiene can, can turn into MRSA. I mean, very absurdly easy. If you have dirty fingernails, you scratch, bam, you know, you, you can have an issue. Um, so yeah like there there needs to be um there there has to be to be that kind of of shelter because you know then when you have um the the alberts you know or the um or the murphys you know um that you're you're able to have them in a safe place you know while a safe supported place while you know, folks are, are figuring out how can we get them the, the help that we, that we need. You know, I always say that if you if you create, you know, resources for the most vulnerable of your community, then everybody in your community will be served. You know, if you make everything accessible, you know, to the most vulnerable in your community, if you make, you know, then everybody will be served. Everybody, everybody benefits from it and and you can't say that you are um in support of of the houseless uh if you are not also 
also in support of certain things, you know, like housing rights, like, you know, decriminalization and legalization. Legalization of, of mental health issues and of of drug, you know, misuse, you know, because every everybody is using something to to cope, you know, in, in life, and and you can't expect people on the street that are living their very worst, you know, days ever to just like, um, I'm just gonna meditate it out when you can't meditate it out at home when you just, you know, a glass of wine in one hand and you join the other, give me a break. You know, so we, we have to create these, these spaces for, for everybody. And this is something that everybody in the community can advocate for everybody in community, because this is something that benefits everybody in the community. You know, when you support these things to support your houses, community, it benefits the house community too, you know, if, if you want to think about that. But it's also just the thing that you should do as a relative, you know, as, as a good as a good relative, it's, it's something we should do. But so just, you know, reaching out to the mayor and to Eric Walsh and, and to Melody Woosley and to, you know, your, your council people, to all the council people and say, hey, look, this is what we want. This is what we need. You know, we need these things. We need not just the the harm reduction, no barrier medical shelter units. We also need, you know, houseless hubs that are set up as, you know, safe needle and safe kit distribution sites and that are say that you know set up as safe safe shooting sites and that have public restrooms and public bathrooms and that have constant you know access to resources of like okay you know this is a safe place to use but you know when you're ready to to kind of talk about that we also have counseling here no pressure when you're ready oh by the way if you need any you know connection to any services you can also talk to this person over here again when you're ready there's so many people that they're they're so they're so injured and you know we we want so badly to help them but we can't force it on them if they don't feel safe if they don't feel secured if they don't feel like you know that they can trust you to help you know you deal with their their trauma then um then you're not going to get anywhere but if you create these these spaces if if you allow for this to happen you know then then you will have these relationships of trust building people that want to come to the healing and it's not like it's anything revolutionary you know there's other other places around the world you know even mm -hmm. around the united states that have mm -hmm. these kinds of of things you yeah. know I want I want to bounce bounce off of again Molly again and in, in, in the comments and kind of what you're describing to me I think about when uh, Haven for Hope's kind of like ascendance in San Antonio and the the psychic landscape of council and staffers and all of this where it was kind of like the one stop shop right but what it sounds like what I hear you saying is we need many one stop shops we need many many uh, uh, multi uh, layered kind of like rich um, um, community spaces is there a shift because what molly seems to be saying is that there's still a culture in council and among city staff where to point fingers and say oh we got haven you know the one-stop shop um does that exist still or are we so where a are lot we? of things changed a lot mm -hmm. of like so okay so last year when the winter storm happened and um 
you know, mutual aid. Like, I, so I, Yanawana Herbalarios, we were responding as mutual aid, but at that time we already had a partnership with DHS. So we were also responding with the, all of the other houseless groups in the city as part of DHS disaster response. And at that time, it was the very first time that any of the houseless organizations had worked together collectively as a unit to make anything happen. And uh, when we had our debriefing meeting, you know, several of us had made the comment of like, it should, you know, take a disaster for us to work together, you know, collaboratively. And so there's really over the last year, you know, everybody is you know, within these organizations is, is trying to work more collaboratively. And one of the things um, we had a meeting about it today, you know, um, is talking about that so many of our resources for the houseless are centered um, around the, um, you know, the downtown, downtown area. And the, you know, DHS doesn't, doesn't own a bunch of buildings that they can just like, you know, commandeer and command for them to open as warming center. You know, they have to communicate with the city to, you know, of like, well, what are you going to open? Who's opening, you know, what centers? Um, like last, last time we had the different, um, you know, stations that, that were um, open. And so the solution to that, because we, you know, can't depend on what is going to get um, approved or not, and that what gets approved or not also depends on um, what level of disaster warning is is issued and, and what um, things that they get approved because they have to go up the chain. So um, the solution is community partnerships. And so like they're working really hard, or at least DHS specifically, to create these you know community um partnerships and uh the big thing right now is trying to create relationships with um with churches and community organizations that are on the outskirts of um uh, you know away from the downtown area because we have houses all over san antonio um, and there's a lot of times where there's not enough, you know, outreach workers to to go out and, you know, bring them into the shelters there. It would be a lot easier for us to go out to where they are and just, you know, take them to um, a location there. So so that's another thing. People that are that are listening, if you have a community center, if you have, you know, a, a church um, and you're interested in like being an emergency shelter or interested in being a warming shelter, you know, this that's that's a really big need. It's I want to remind people that it's really easy for us to, to put everything um off as the responsibility of of our our government, you know, and I'm all about holding our our local government accountable. You know, ask ask any of the city council members I've met with; they will tell you I have no problem with telling them that. But I also believe so much in, you know, community sovereignty, and so we have to take some measure of of responsibility in terms of this is a really big city there's a lot of really big people in it and there's a lot of things that we can accomplish 
to together. And if we want to make this happen quickly, mm-hmm. you know, then we all need to step in. And quite frankly, too, if you if you have different organizations that are like, you know what, I can be an emergency shelter for five days during a winter storm, you know, two times out of the year, or I can be a warming station or a cooling station or these kinds of things, you know, and the city is seeing the need and the, and the city is seeing these things and all these people are like reaching out to the city of, hey, there's this need, there's this demand. You know, if you want your voices to be mm-hmm. heard, you have to get loud. Right. You have to get collectively loud. And we're stepping, kind of stepping to to Marisol. You had a kind of a well, almost a concluding question earlier in the in the broadcast. I I know I feel like Rachel's idling on 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 something too. And if you wanted to kind of offer thoughts on how the the culture shift inside of City Hall, perhaps, um, or also that the question I think what what you were asking, Mari, was is how does this now inform what has to happen and how people mobilize? So I don't know if yeah. you want to restate that or Rachel, I want to just invite you back in either one. Yeah, well, I'll just, um, I don't need to talk a long time, but what I heard from from across, you know, our, our three kind of ta- big takeaways from the situation, uh, I heard harm reduction approach is, is one of the next, you know, something to organize toward, you know, if community that are watching this broadcast or that have read the series and wondering, you know, what the, what do we push for next, right? Coming out of this um, harm reduction approach. Uh, I, and I heard the medical, um, uh, medical, uh, no barrier harm reduction, medical shelters. Um, and then what I had said was just the, the willingness, the political will of folks within the city, folks on the inside of institutions and agencies, uh, city departments, to to collaborate with activists, because there's some things that there's some things that there's some things that only folks on the inside can do, right? But there's also some things only folks on the outside can do. And you need us, folks on the inside need us, uh, you know, to be able to do and say and push in certain ways that maybe you can't, right? And we need the folks on the inside who have that institutional access to pull strings and make things happen, you know? Um, and so those those are the three takeaways, sort of organizing um, uh, goals, would you say? Or like, you know, this, the sort of things that we want to do, right? And push for next. That's what I heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I agree. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, because honestly, we, we can't um we nobody could do it on their own. And and that's like one of one of the biggest I guess um uh things that we need in the future, right? Is organization, right? We we we, we have to work together. And then like those that are watching this, right, that um, want to be involved, you have Yanawana, you can talk to Deceleration News, definitely get involved in, in, the, in, the, in the political process, call our office, call all of your council offices, uh, write them, send them letters, um, go to public comment, demand, demand the city you want to be in, right? And, um, you know, with what, um, what was being said earlier 
um, the need for, for, for a place like Corazon to exist in, in our district, in D5, um, is, is severe. Um, and because many, many of our, of our folks don't have um, money to pay for a VIA bus to go to Corazon. Yeah. And so um, that that's also something to fight for, right? Uh, which we are continuing, we will continue to fight for it and we will continue to work with DHS and uh, work with activists uh, in our community um, to, to, make, to make this work better for everybody, especially our most vulnerable. Um, but yeah, I agree with Marisol, definitely um, a focus on harm reduction a focus on access um, to these lower barrier places um, and and actually building them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, definitely thank you so much and for sure get get yeah. involved. Yeah, I, I just a, maybe a, a concluding clap from, from myself in, in all this is really about, we, we talk, we're, we're talking, we're, we haven't got really talked about housing uh, yet, right? Uh, in, in a way, in, in terms of, uh, before before Yuri, before the storm, for years, groups like I, I worked with the Sierra Club for four or some years and, and, and left in September to work on this project with myself, kind of focus a little bit more on this. Um, but we've been calling for a kind of a jobs core built around energy efficiency and weatherization of homes uh, for uh, energy generation, um, low carbon generation sources like solar and wind focusing in, in neighborhoods and communities that are often overlooked and neglected um, by the movement of those technologies and um, and um, and and put out letters, you know, statements when, when COVID hit, uh, calling on the mayor, calling on city council to make um, home weatherization efficiency programs a priority so that people are safe where they are, right? And that's been one of the tensions around the idea for us too, I think, and, and sometimes the environmental justice movement is this idea of the, you know, the heating and cooling centers, right? Um, everybody's home should be a heating and cooling. It should be safe where they're at, you know, and, and if they choose to be like outside of the home, right, or in non-traditional housing uh, as well, there should be, you know, the right to be safe and secure uh, in their person. Um, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see if that, how that continues and if that's picked up and, 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 and blended into to other, I see a, a finger in there. Um, but but again, like so, I watch um, like going forward groups like the Sierra Club. They've been doing a lot around you know fix the grid. Um, but the question of you know that that's fine. But we also need a mass weatherization and efficiency programs um, targeting those who are most exposed to the elements who are you know um, getting warmer. They were warmer outside their homes than they were inside their homes. And in, in, in some of these cases, if they could have a fire in the backyard. Um, so just, it, it occurs to me that something that we hadn't touched on yet and we're, we're just past eight, it's eight forty. So I know we're wrapping yeah, up. Um, top line, I just want to say we were calling for that back in yeah. 2009. Oh yeah. This is, it is <laughs> and fun. I got some stimulus money that kind of did it. I mean, but the big challenge was at that time and still, still mm-hmm. it's, it's the perpetual demand, like to do a program like that, right. Yeah. You need to partner with organizers you need to partner with people in the neighborhoods who know the people you know like yeah 
All right. Uh, well, listen, thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll continue to follow up on, on this and related issues and look forward to seeing y'all in, in the community and in chambers and wherever that is. I haven't been to chambers in a long time. I'm, I'm doing this COVID is pretty seriously because of the little one. But um, thank you, everybody. Um, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so All much. Right. And um, yeah, again, thank you, Maria. Thank you, um, Rachel, Marisol. And um, we're going to just uh, do a little outro with our musics. Uh, we should mention again, uh, George Garza Jr. Um, a lot of respect and gratitude for your work. And he created, constructed, he's illustrating, uh, he's doing the audio illustration for Deceleration. Um, you can check our last video. We had a short conversation with George about this music and the significance of it. Um, and uh, again, thank you for, for all of our supporters, those who are you know committed $5 a month or, or whatever it is through Patreon. That really helps, keeps us moving uh, forward. And um, thank you. Hey, I see Meredith in the comments. Good to see you. Um, and we'll try to do some more of this. Um, it's, it's fun. It's stressful. Um, and weird for us on this side of the camera, but it's fun. And I just like love being with our people. So um, have a good night, everyone. And uh, for those playing it back later, deceleration.news. 